Sweet Talk Alliance Edition with Amy Seidman of B-Flow and Noble Profit. Blockchain, global commerce, cryptocurrency, supply chain, decentralization, liquidity, DAOs, logistics, crypto economics, game theory, fair trade, altcoins, IoT, exchanges, fintech, 3D printing, artificial intelligence, security. In a decentralized world where global commerce is frictionless and value is liquid, there's Sweet Talk from Sweetbridge. The show that brings together the worlds of blockchain and supply chain with the thought leaders of a new liquid economy. And now, your host, Jason English. Well, hello and welcome to Sweet Talk, where we cover the latest trends in blockchain, IoT, 3D printing, new decentralized economies, and everything that surrounds them. Uh, Today, I'm joined by Amy Seidman of BFlow. Um, Bflow is the name of a, a project, and Noble Profits, the parent company. Uh, welcome to the show, Amy. It's great to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Jason. It's lovely to be here and to be working with Sweetbridge. What is Bflow? Bflow is a technology that we're developing and building that involves blockchain to enable the reporting and validating of sustainability claims, and we're focusing on the UNSCGs as our top-level metric. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, We're seeing a lot of energy around uh, this particular space. So um, when creating Noble Profit, we began with a media series interviewing uh, people around sustainability, impact, and clean tech. And the gamut uh, was covered in the kinds of interviews from major corporations to investors uh, to uh, nonprofits and experts in the space. And my background is in technology development, um, primarily from the creative uh, design perspective. And I, I owned a design firm in Los Angeles where I helped build some of the first websites um, and uh, worked for many companies in Web 1.0 and then uh, evolved into Web 2.0, um, creating different brands called uh, Incredible Places and Into Outside and basically projects that would help support uh connecting people to nature using the different aspects of technology. And I realized it was, it was very hard to, um, to engage the financial aspect, which is important to the world, uh, in these things. And people just, their perception is, how do I make money? So that's kind of how Noble Profit was born in this media series to really talk about the advantages and the opportunities around this business model. Because when people think of sustainability, they think of philanthropy. And that's really, uh, you know, just such a small sliver. Um, and when I was designing this software uh, and, and during this process, because it's an evolving process, uh, we, we really listened to these interviews and what was missing in the space. And um, data is such a huge piece. And I knew that I wanted to create using new technology because my background has always been to be pushing that envelope of, uh, you know, digital media and technology. Um, and that's where B-Flow was born because we realized that by taking B-Flow out of Noble Profit and enabling it to be an open source uh, project um, on some levels, uh, you know, we're, we're still defining what those levels are, um, but we know that we want to enable everybody to participate in this, this having to go to Noble Profit. And um, the blockchain enables us to do this in a decentralized fashion, where it becomes less about noble profit than it does about the project, about 
using this uh, technology to facilitate that. And how is how has that history led you to where you are now? And could you give me a little bit of your background in that space? Because, um, you know, how 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 do people uh, evolve in the way that they uh, approach this new kind of market? Um, I've been an activist. I've been an environmental steward. I've I've created education programs, and so that's been a core of my heart. And when I saw uh, the potential for using digital media and technology within this space, um, it was it was just a big passionate driver for me. Um, and when I began going down that road, I spent many years working with the National Parks, being an advisor, becoming an artist fellow in Sierra Nevada Research Institute in Yosemite, and all kinds of wonderful experiences and opportunities. But it was very difficult to convince business, and, and things have changed quite a lot in the past uh, 10 years uh, and even five years around this space. Um, but at the time, it was really, you know, oh, philanthropy, you know, we, we, we need to know how we make money. And so it became important to me. I said, okay, this is the story I really need to tell, which is how money can really be transformative in business. And when you look at major, brand, uh, major brands, right, when you look at major brands, and you look at uh, all of the things happening in the investment space, money is big business in sustainability and divestment. And we are talking about trillions of dollars. But people just aren't aware of being a driver around this at this time. So you have laws, you have public pressure and um, brand awareness uh, to, to kind of address the millennials and all of the different stakeholders within the system that seem to matter to the brands, but now you have investment. And that then kind of creates a, a loop around it that, you know, kind of a circle of all the different pieces that are important. So we see major corporations with big sustainability departments. We see banks forming funds around uh, good investments that don't harm the world. And that's pretty much the driver for me is to be a part of transforming this financial space of business and investment towards things that help the world. Yeah. So we've been talking with BFLOW um, for a little while, and now we're, we're talking about BFLOW joining the Sweetbridge Alliance. And so why would the combination of these two projects be of interest to our audience? When we see Sweetbridge, we see a tremendous value in the bridge loans that Sweetbridge is providing to small businesses. It is essential for the success of what we want to achieve from a climate standpoint to empower small businesses. And there's a massive pain point for small businesses in addressing these financial gaps between getting uh, business and then delivering that business. And similarly, supply chain is a very complex uh, scenario to track. So by providing um, these mechanisms, we see tremendous value from uh, Sweetbridge in helping empower these industries with this technology. And we see a tremendous added value for the customers that would be using Sweetbridge to help uh, report and validate uh, their claims within this space and the compliance aspects about it. So it's really a win-win for both of us. Yeah, excellent. I agree. You know, if it's supply chain is a is a very large, complex beast to tackle, and there's a lot of uh, challenges, especially among smaller companies who have a lack of liquidity 
and suppliers who have very tight margins um, in this space. So we uh, definitely agree that there's a lot of opportunity to encourage better behaviors uh, and, and do so in ways that actually help their business. Yeah, and actually, it's, it's of incredible value to major corporations and to big banks that are investing in this space because uh, they need these metrics. Um, and I think it's, it's just all of us together creating this map that we need to provide to be able to make these contextual decisions to create a, a different world that's possible. All of the resources and the know-how and the technology is there. It's really, with the exception of the, of the blockchain systems that we're developing right now, um, which will be, you know, a part of our future very soon, it, it's essential for us to collaborate and to create uh, these mechanisms to solve these big blank spots. Glad to be working with Sweetbridge. We're seeing a lot of momentum, global momentum appearing around SDGs right now. I mean, besides... Uh, the availability of funding, what else can you attribute all of this energy to and why do you see so many people being attracted to this space right now? That's a great question, Jason. What we're seeing is actually activated by conversations around the Paris Agreement. And that's a, a meeting that happens that's driven by the United Nations FCCC, UNFCCC, uh, which is the climate arm of the United Nations. And the United Nations uh, Several years ago, I think five or six, had come up with a set of goals, 17 goals, of how we can accomplish addressing these major issues around the world. And climate has become a major topic, particularly after Hurricane Sandy. And so what we started to see is through these different agreements and through the pledges of corporations and banks and investment and all these different groups, cities, governments, all kind of aligning with these 17 goals. And beneath these 17 goals are these various uh, other levels of accountability to accomplish those goals, depending on what they are. And, um, and so we started to see people signing, becoming signatories of the Paris Agreement. And we have just about every single country in the world. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. is not uh, a part of that at this time. And what's happening is we have this commitment when the U.S. pulled out, we had a lot of uh, companies saying, oh, you know, we're still in it and double down. And we had cities around the world step up and say, we're going to be zero, uh, you know, carbon. We're going to be zero waste and starting to really look at their infrastructure, despite the political alignment of our country for these different goals to, to look at how we can handle this from, uh, you know, a, uh, central level from, from the government perspective, you know, from the state level or the city level, as well as the corporations. And so with this, we have over 10,000 um, partners within the Global Compact, which addresses climate change. And that is significant when we start looking at that. And what happened with the UN SDGs is it created a common point for us to all rally around that we could all kind of uh, lock into and use common language. So that's what I believe has been one of the great drivers of the adoption of this, uh, because it's a very fragmented space when you look at all the different industries and you look at, you know, governments and business and investment, they're all very different. And within business, you have many, many different industries from chemical and uh, manufacturing, uh, food, 
agriculture, apparel, business, it's not just one industry. And oftentimes, one particular object might be a combination of, of many different types of uh, extractions or creation of that particular material or thing that's going in to build that product. And, and each industry has a different kind of driver around that. Uh, and so for us to have something that we can all agree upon and go towards within our own systems becomes a really powerful driver for the adoption of these principles. I mean, it does uh, carry over into almost every industry and in every nation, and even, even into the aspect of it being treated as a, a national security or, or ensuring peace. You know, if you can eliminate poverty and pollution, you actually... Uh, promote peace because uh, there's less uh, there's less issues of uh, lack of resources and inequities in the system. Um, so people are looking at this in a very broad scale. So taking it from this huge global perspective, how do you zoom that down into blockchain being relevant to um, some of these huge goals that we're talking about here with the with the set of SDGs and, and resolving them? Blockchain has a lot of advantages. And most people, when they think about it, they, they think of Bitcoin. You know, they, they really don't understand the potential around it. Um, when I look at blockchain, I see so many other aspects besides the currency aspect. And I think the currency is important because it's representing a major disruption within our world, within the banking systems, and within creating equanimity with the unbanked. Um, and, and it's not to be ignored. And that is actually one of the drivers of why I wanted to use blockchain within Noble Profit was to enable greater efficiency in uh, the financial transactions and to lower the cost and uh, increase the speed and, and also to enable many different sectors to participate. Um, but when you start to look at the other advantages that most people don't focus on, it really has to do with how can we create um, a model that involves everyone being a part of it and uh, removing barriers. It also involves immutability, uh, which is basically how do you ensure that this is a solid imprint? You know, we're living in a world where the internet is pretty much the source of news for many people, and that uh, all of the information on the internet is centralized. You, it goes into servers where that information is held, and that information can be deleted, it can be eliminated, and when we look at uh, what was happening in the EPA, and basically taking down all of this public data around climate change, this is an example of how um, I believe that blockchain can be disruptive of, of ensuring through a decentralized system that that information is there and that information cannot be fudged. If someone puts in a wrong report, that's one thing. If somebody puts in a lie, it's there and, and we can see it. So it creates transparency. It creates a possibility of transparency within really important aspects of our society. And that can be used in, in voting, identity. Uh, it can be used in um, creating, you know, a new kind of Facebook and social media and ownership of our own data. And when we start looking also in the space of data, particularly in sustainability, it's a very complex space. Um, and most of this is very hard to know where the source is. It's very hard to uh, understand what is supporting that data. Is this data true? Is this information that people and companies reporting true? Because one, the other thing is one company might have a really great 
uh, footprint from a carbon perspective, but they might be a, a really negative company. They might be doing all kinds of things and not taking care of their employees and not really caring about the circular aspects of their product development. But when we start to look at, um, you know, some of these ways of revealing the truth around things and inviting people to participate and uh, engage in uh, voting around that or creating um, claims, it really puts people on the line to be more authentic, to have uh, greater transparency, to have more data that is present um, to support those claims. That's true. I mean, transparency, or, you know, you have to subject the data to the light of day in order to have a, a clear picture of what's going on. Um, at the same time, I mean, what is the, is there a common language between all of these parties and are they even agreeing upon uh, a common set of ways to describe things? So um, it's not just a matter of being honest and accurate. You know, do we have a common frame of reference for those? And I think that is, is helping. Are there any other ways to kind of, in your opinion, to improve the quality of that data? It's really interesting that you use the common language uh, metaphor because I've been looking at the UNSDGs as a common language. And one of the issues that we're having in the sustainability space is the volume and differences of the data sets. And there's a reason for that difference. Um, we don't want to homogenize every single industry because it just won't work. You know, different industries have different mechanisms for, for what's important for them. Um, and so having this common language of the UN SDGs, I think, will help at least create a reference point for that. So, I mean, once you've kind of established some of this data and you have all um, people reporting into it, um, can you talk a little bit about some of the financial incentives behind that? I mean, you mentioned that obviously cryptocurrency is still a big, is still a big part of this, um, but um, how do you align these positive impacts with uh, financial incentives and other uh, mechanisms like that? I think it's a big, it's a big topic. Um, and we're probably playing less in that game than we are with uh, providing a tool set that would be of value and help create a simpler uh, approach um, to the problem. Um, and, and because of the complexity and um, because of the benefits of the blockchain, these, we believe, are some of the, the you know, really important things to focus on. In terms of incentivizing the marketplace, you have to look at what is incentivizing you know, major banks and investment funds to start creating uh, these kinds of, of funds that would satisfy customers. And, and when you look at the divest invest movement, um, if you go to divestinvest.org, you would see a 6.57 or something trillion dollar uh, commitment by major investment groups from you know, pension funds to uh, you know, private foundations and private uh, banks to take the wealth and ensure that this amount has been put into investment. And that is a big motivator. You also have major brands who are answering to their customers and they're expecting you know, millennials to take that divestment number up to 40 to $50 trillion. And then you have the, you know, we all know that many of people, we, we all know that many people uh, really vote with their wallets. Um, they will go out of their way to purchase a Prius. And that's why we saw Prius become such a popular car. 
is because so many people, when it came out, said, I'm going to spend a little bit more on this. And then, and similarly with solar, and now we're seeing the cost of solar, the cost of electric cars coming down because of the commitment of these uh, people to be using their wallets to make that vote. So I think the incentive is there. I think that there's a lot of people who want clean water. They want clean air. They're, they're seeing what's happening. We have a tremendous, a tremendous loss from a real estate perspective from Hurricane Sandy. Um, and I think these are the drivers that we need to look at. Um, and those drivers exist with or without the blockchain. It's really looking at technology and how technology can facilitate these uh, levers in a greater way. Um, how can it become an added value to those who really are having to look at these numbers? Um, when it comes to people using our system, it, it has to do with who are our customers and what are their needs and ensuring that we're creating something of value to them from a technical capacity versus looking at some piece of money that we're then going to uh, incentivize some person on the other side of the world to use our system. We, of course, want to serve everyone in the system. And when we start looking at things like complaints, uh, we don't think it's ethical to remunerate people for that because we're just going to see a lot of false claims come out. Um, and similarly, we definitely are looking at mechanisms to ensure that validators that are not experts are, are compensated. Um, and within the, the network and what we're creating, our vision is to include a validator network, and basically those those people have fees that they're being paid. You know, and whatever uh, coin in in which realm uh, it's operating in, right? If it's in a if it's in a marketplace for this particular kind of uh, you know a, a social good project, it would be interesting to see how it's gonna how it's going to play out. I mean, uh, talking about some of these innovations, what are some of the next? Uh, is there a next project aspect or? Um, something new you're working on right now that you could talk about that's that's coming up for you and your team? Well, we're focusing on use cases right now. We're focusing on the practical applications of creating a relevant utility token that could be of service and, and, and really looking at the different industries. And because of what we want to accomplish, it's important for us to ensure that the mechanisms around our utility token works. Um, for these different industries. So we've been gathering up use cases from uh, ranging from apparel uh, with indigenous clothing to volunteerism, which is a very fuzzy kind of space, uh, to education, which is also fuzzy, and then energy companies, which are much easier and more quantifiable because when you're dealing with the transfer of electrons, you're actually, you know, it's much easier than looking at something like education. But some of these claims might be actions. They might not have anything to do with a transaction. It might be a change of state within the city where they're changing the flow of their, of their traffic. And, um, and there might be a wonderful result of, of carbon savings by just doing that. Um, so we're kind of looking at all of these different types of ways that this information will, will come to us and ensure that this uh, utility and this technology that we're creating is actually uh, serving us. And and that's where our focus is right now. Excellent. Well, when you tie those kind of economics to both public and private um, sources of, of funding and, and interest, it's uh, it, it could be a game changer for uh, resolving a lot of the issues we see in, in the world today. So 
Um, I think that's definitely a noble uh, <laughs> enterprise, aptly named. Um, where should uh, our listeners go or our readers go to find out some more about this topic? So uh, bflow.io is our website, and we have a Telegram channel, bflow, uh, and we have a Twitter uh, channel as well, uh, bflow token. So um, that's where people can you know, sign up, subscribe, um, and follow what we're doing and, and learn more. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Amy, for joining me. Um, it's been good having you on today on Sweet Talk. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be a part of the SweetBridge Alliance. We're looking forward to uh, how we can work together. Yeah, definitely. Well, that concludes our program for today. Sweet Talk.